Welcome to another episode of Sit Down and Think, where we get the skinny on what is happening in animation. Today, I am joined by the crew of Glitch Text, the latest series from Nickelodeon and Netflix. So, who are you guys, and what do you do? <laughs> um, I am Dan Milano. Beat us in. I, yeah, I know. You, you always set me up. Um, I'm the co-creator, co-EP of Glitch Text, along with Eric Robles, and I'm act um, as the story editor. Uh, my name is Eric Robles, and I am a co-creator, executive producer, and love animation my entire life. Jules, you want to go? Sure, but, okay, uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm Jules Bridgers. Um, I was a revisionist on all of season one and two. And uh, I'm Phil Jacobson. I was a board artist on the first two seasons. All right, then. So to start us off with a very serious question, I must know. In the midst of the world being on fire and just an uncertain future ahead of us, how are you all doing? Uh, that's a solid question. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good one, man. I mean, in the midst of all this craziness, I think uh, it's a good time to have good animation in the world um, as a great distraction. Um, and we are so proud to be a part of that distraction right now as the current environment is crazy. Um, and it has allowed us to be distracted uh, in the times of you know, need uh, because there is uh, so much going on in our industry. Uh, so in the midst of craziness, I think I'm doing pretty good. I determine my wellness on a like a daily basis. Like I wake up and take my temperature in a way, like my overall, <laughs> like, and I do that every few hours. And if I feel like going fetal, I do. And if I, if I'm feeling better, I'll, I'll look at the news and, um, you know, we're taking it as it comes. And, you know, I, I think we've held on really tight to each other and to, to, to strangers and tried to be, you know, kind of active in our community more and more. And, um, we do try to distract ourselves healthfully with, you know, being creative and doing the work. Um, but it's hard. It's up and down. It's such a crazy time. I'm just, yeah, we're just doing our best. Um, and we got a lot to be proud of. So we just want to keep, you know, hoping that we keep go moving in that direction. Right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I take my, my morning sit outs on the, uh, the front stoop and get some sunlight and have my uh, moment of ex existential dread. And then uh, I kind of just deal with it. Um, a lot of distraction from Monster Hunter, uh, that helps. But uh, besides that, just working, just drawing and dealing for the man. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've it's, it's been a lot of the same for me. I started a job uh, working with a team in Australia, actually the team that animated uh, the Glitch Text intro. And, uh, you know, I think it was like, what, episodes three and four? Well, I guess I should, yes. Gauntlet and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been fun really getting to work for them. Like, because we're all remote right now, and like I was going to be anyways, and then now I actually just have my roommates chilling at home with me, so I'm, I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Um, but yeah, I mean... I feel like I've mostly been going through Avatar again for like the 15th. Yeah. Time. Has yep. that been everybody's yeah. kind of experience? <laughs> my my girlfriend had never. never seen it before. And I was like, Hey, do you just want to watch Avatar? And she was like, she doesn't, she's, she's not like a huge animation fan. And she, she got really into it. Like we went through the entire series in like three weeks. 
and the themes are more resonant than ever. Oh, I mean, for real, oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely. so relevant now. Like, that's it's 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 really cool how it's kind of found this like second life on Netflix. So that's that's been a lot of what I've been up to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right, like I, I definitely see like just a lot of pretty much with all this kind of messing with life and everything it's changed everything but i mean i've i've been getting through mainly just by talking to like uh people from the black other black cartoon communities and such that's pretty much how i've been getting through just being able to talk to my friends every day just chatting just knowing they're there by the time we get back to some sense of normalcy it's like they're there yep that's always the great thing. Yeah, we exactly. We all need each other as like a touchstone. I always say it's like in the zombie movies when you just see another building that has a sign that says like alive inside. <laughs> like, oh my God, there's other people who who think and feel like I do and they're still here. Okay, there's still there's still some people, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, also, um, Jules and Phil. Brie Williams says hi. Oh, hey. Oh, how's she doing? Yeah. She of course, she's so funny. Yeah, she says she really misses you guys, <laughs> like, through all this. We, we miss her, too. Yeah, I feel like we see her on Twitter every now and then, but obviously it's been a few, like, what, five months since we've actually seen her in person. Yeah, she was a, she was a great roommate. Uh, I, I was rooming with her and her boyfriend um, for, like, a year. They were really good. I miss them. Yeah, for all those who don't know, Bree Williams is the production coordinator of uh, Proud Family's new reboot, Proud Louder and Prouder, coming oh, that's sometime. Great. She moved over to that. I forgot about that. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, we're all proud of Bree. She's awesome. Oh, Bree. <laughs> so, getting into some glitch text, what was the biggest inspiration for it, really? It feels like a major labor of love dedicated to gaming and just nerd culture. So what was the biggest things that really influences that? Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely, uh, y- you know, it's, it's, it's not just one thing. I think it's a lot of things, you know. Mm-hmm. It definitely starts with, um, you know, the, I, I think at its core, it starts with uh, what we remember as Saturday morning cartoons. Um, you know, and it's the feeling of uh, th- this joy of watching a cartoon that, you you think you know what's going to happen and the surprise is um it takes you in a whole different direction that opens up your imagination in a way that you did not expect um and and that's what i felt like saturday morning cartoons did you know whether they actually did that uh you know uh who knows i just remember the feeling it gave me as a kid right Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time of development, uh, that's really kind of where I wanted my headspace to be. Uh, So at that time, I was watching a lot of like the original Ghostbusters series, uh, the real Ghostbusters from the 80s. Um, And I just really was drawn to the storytelling and, you know, being a big fan of Ghostbusters from the 80s. uh, I really wanted to draw on something that felt uh, very genuine to that kind of like feeling of Saturday morning, right? Um, and then when I knew I couldn't just do Ghostbusters, I wanted to kind of create my own version of what Ghostbusters was. So that's when I really kind of started thinking about like, well, if it's not ghosts, what else is out there that can represent what a ghost, you know, coming into our world would be. And that's when, you know, you put the peanut butter and jelly together and, you know, you have a video game kind of concept and you have the day in the life of, you know, these kind of, uh, you know, geek squad type crew who would show up and take care of this business. 
But again, that's just kind of like the concept itself. But there, uh, underneath it all, there's a genuine feeling that 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 continued throughout the production uh, that everybody just ran with. But um, in thinking of Ghostbusters and this concept and putting it together, uh, the inspiration of video games, the inspiration of the cartoons, the Saturday morning kind of cartoons, action, all these kinds of elements were really kind of coming together in my head, but I needed really to expand that. Uh, so that's when I had pitched it over to Dan. And um, Dan Milano is definitely the one who would like, you know, is a huge Ghostbusters fan. So he definitely knew exactly what that vibe was and what that feeling was. And then I'll let you continue from there, Dan. Well, well yeah, yeah, and then as everyone else speaks, it is like a very much an inspiration train. It moves with this momentum and then everybody starts bringing something. And as a collective, we're all drawing from the same zeitgeist of influences. And then what's great is you have people who maybe will bring in influences completely outside what we know um, who are operating on their own level, which is great. It makes it really dimensional and it makes it derivative of so many wonderful things and yet also completely original. So we began with Ghostbusters men in black type premise, right? Adding video games said, okay, well clearly we can bring genre influence from a multitude of video games. But then we started, uh, Eric was very big in the beginning on it also being very slice of life. Like it sh the job shouldn't necessarily be the hugest deal to these kids who kind of punch the time clock every day or a character like Phil who was their manager and he's been doing this for years. So that had like a clerk's element to it, you know, just sort of workplace feel. Then as we developed the lore, I was a frustrated feature writer who'd been wanting to do one hours. Um, so I was just like, I want it to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like I want a sort of serialized but monster of the week vibe and, and to bring um, characters who talk relatably and with their own slang and then, you know, we just kept piling on, you know, the, the, the moral conscience uh, and representation of S Star Trek. Um, and those are the things we talked about the most. And then it just became, ooh, we love Fooly Cooly. We love Edgar Wright. We love uh, Trigger Studios and Gynax. And like, it, it was just this hodgepodge. But because we all believed in the theme, you know, it didn't come out um, a mess. It came out like a really nice, um, simmered recipe of all these various influences, I think, because we all have the same intent. I mean, right. and these guys, I'm going to tee them up <laughs> and you look over their shoulder and see what they did. You know, they're bringing their influences into it. Yeah, again, like Dan was saying, a lot of it, uh, you know, is we all just kind of kept passing the ball to one another. And we were we were very selective on bringing like a you know certain uh, team together and Ian Graham, our supervising producer, was a big part of that. Um, and so he he was the one who was really kind of like honing in on the kind of talent that we needed for a show like this that would require not only action but comedy and a balance of that. So the kinds of team that we or, or you know we decided to all put together was a team that really understood uh, what this wanted to be. And not that, you know, we all had the answers, you know, on the leadership side of what this thing was going to be. It was more of a being open to the collaboration. Yeah, quite the opposite. So and what did you, what were you guys, guys mostly drawing from? And bringing guys like Jules and, and Phil. And, uh, <laughs> I keep trying to tee them up. I mean, I, I feel like whenever we would try to add something to the episode, whenever we try to, you know, 
throw something else into the mix, like the answer for us was always just kind of like, you know, when, when we when we come talk to you guys about it, the answer is always like, well, what do you love? Then like put that into it. And in that in that regard, I think we probably had more freedom than I've ever had on a show to really just kind of like take whatever it was that I wanted to do and put it into an episode. Like, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too specific because I don't want to spoil anything for people that haven't maybe seen an episode yet. But like at one point I went to Dan and I was like, hey, can I do like a whole transformation thing with like swords and whatever? And he was like, yeah, let's go for it. And we sat down and plotted it out. And it was just like, do you love that thing? Great. Then, you know, find a way to put it in the episode. And that was, that was just kind of a recurring theme for every single, you know, section that I get. I, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It was really nice to be able to kind of be genuine and add fun things we liked and enjoyed um, in a way that was respectful, but also not like too ham fisted. Um, and like, there's a, occasionally you're gonna have a thing here or there. Like, there's some people who are like, you know, um, oh, it has this one line or this one thing. I'm like, it's gonna happen. Like, you're making a show that's for for an audience that's like a, a wide range of ages. Like, if it has like a thing about being a gamer, it's like, oh, who cares? Like, it's fun. Um, kids will be inspired by it. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun doing a bunch of like adding things that we really liked and enjoyed growing up, playing and watching and being invested in, and then harnessing that energy to creative outlet. Um, I know myself as a kid would have liked it, so you know that's good. <laughs> I, I, I just that was a common thing between everybody. What what yeah. we wanted to do when we were kids and asking that of a very diverse group of people i i do remember uh eric you had that one story about like being in high school or being in a middle school wherever it was and, like passing by like a bunch of kids playing D and stuff and they're like some some of your friends at the time like haha what a bunch of losers and you're like ha ha ha, ha, ha. yeah, yeah. Looks, yeah. Not, looks not fun at all huh yeah, i want to play the game it really wasn't that they were, you know, they would say loser or anything like that. I grew up in a very, like, a gang, uh, you know, heavy environment. Uh, and those were the kinds of people I grew up with, you know, uh, growing up out here in L.A. and what have you. Uh, so so I was definitely surrounded more um, with the gang-affiliated type kinds of uh, crew. And the thing was, I always was the kind of kid who enjoyed more of the cartoons and goofiness and all the silliness. But I was, you know, raised in an environment that didn't, uh, you know, or, or didn't really allow that, you know, they saw that as kid stuff. And I was just more jealous of the other kids who would, during lunch, would go gather up at lunch tables and play D&D. And I would like long to want to go play with those guys instead because I knew that they were using their imaginations and I could just imagine the kinds of worlds that they were building. And the great thing about, uh, you know, Glitch Text and, and any of the shows that I've been a part of uh, is that, you know, I'm basically living that childhood dream in a way where I get to hang out with, uh, you know, the, the guys who want to create worlds, who want to, like, you know, imagine what things can be like and the possibilities. And I know, you know, Dan is definitely kind of like that kid who I always wanted to play with, you know, because he... He has that big imagination and wants to, you know, continue adding to uh, the creativity. So, 
you know, I always say like, you know, I just came with a, with a sandbox uh, with different toys and everybody just came into the sandbox and, and kept adding to these amazing stories that, that we all played with together. In this upcoming drop of episodes, you're gonna, the majority of which were produced in the second half of our production cycle, which means that we were starting to really also get our momentum together and, and our efficiency. You're gonna see elements of the show brought completely by like Jules and Phil, as well as by others in our collective, like elements of um, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, <laughs> um, Kaiju, um, you know, uh, board gaming, um, and then and emotional ideas. Um, if you're gonna see dance, it's cause Phil was kind of obsessed with st studying uh, dance while he was drawing the show. And like, so everything like leaked in, everyone was listening to the Adventure Zone podcast. And you know, <laughs> so we had all these, Things that, that, were, that had to come up at least once while we were right. doing this right. like for sure yeah so um so yeah it's it's kind of a melting pot of influences but they would all congeal with gaming and with being like in touch with um just kind of being a kid and wanting to see kids that um felt you know like real people to us hmm. so yeah I think that's the one thing I've noticed with Glitch Tech is, is that it has so many different influences and it's and like as you watch it, you notice all these different things. It's like, oh, I, I know that reference. I know that that like the most notable, I guess I could say, is like the one where it's clearly like Castlevania. And it's like, OK, it, did you all ever feel like it was a little tricky trying to bring all these different things together and keep it all coherent and and such because you managed to do that to a T but did it ever feel difficult trying to do that I, I, I think it's always difficult you know um, yeah. you know I think conceptually we can say we want to do something like this something like that but I think the uh, you know the magic that uh, you know Dan definitely uh, brings to the table is the structure of it all you know and making sure that you know underneath all these cool ideas that we're also telling like these heartfelt stories and and that's kind of like the, uh, the the place you know that I feel that we're all very proud of you know is being able to layer these cool concepts whether it's these Castlevania episodes or what have you but underneath it all like layering these really kind of like heartfelt stories and and the balance of all that was really tricky so it's not a matter really of just kind of like throwing concepts because we can pick as many video game ideas as we want right because it's pretty limitless. But um, trying to structure a story around that, I think that's, you know, uh, again, one of those things that uh, really is what makes the show special. It was a great problem to have. There was a lot of nausea and a lot of what I used to call the good headache, meaning like it was <laughs> literally a headache, but it was because we were, it was worthy. We were just crunching our heads on really cool stuff. And that was this kid in the candy store feeling that we could do anything we could pull from anywhere it it was like as vast as like if we were doing a um a parody of like cinema and we could do any movie genre and so it was that plus the diversity of video games so the wall was covered with cool ideas like oh we'd love to do this game we'd love to do that game but um you didn't know which way to go and it was very arresting and scary because once you make these decisions, it affects a lot of people and it affects the quality of the show. So we're all just like kind of froze up. But then when you start to get to know the characters and you 
let the characters drive the story, then it's no longer about Castlevania. It's about the Five and Miko relationship. It's about specifically that feeling of like being stuck in a video game and not being able to wait, find your way out. And either you're the completionist or you're the person who lets it go. Um, and you either have shame about that or you don't. And like working those ideas in help dictate what should be or not be in the story. So mm. when you have a cool idea, but it's not fitting the story, then you have a reason to just like throw it away. Or in our case, we just hang it up on the wall and hope to use it again later and then go, you know. So the story helped us make choices. And um, if you watch the show's episodes in order, and most of the episodes are in the order they were produced. There were a few that got moved around because reasons. But um, if you look at them in order, you will basically see us experimenting as we went. You know, like saying, uh -huh. here's the premise. It's kind of this movie about these kids who enter this new world. Episode two, we were worried we were forgetting comedy. So it's more of like a broader romp. We were too afraid to go out in the world. We kept it in HQ to kind of get to know HQ. Then we step out with Going Going Gauntlet and we meet our first glitch on the street. You can actually see us figuring out the show. And then as it goes, it gets more confident, I think. Okay, so it basically, as it went, like it started off pretty tricky, but then you st you found your groove as you went along, and I think, and you, like you said, it was as you watched the show, you can kind of notice, and yeah, I think, I think, I think that is is very much the case because I saw it's like okay, they really they really started seeing the stride, and and I do think, and possibly, and I'm pretty sure for season two is probably gonna, it's pretty much the same thing where it's like y'all have full-on hit the, hit the stride <laughs> oh man it's so good these episodes coming up are really some of my favorites i think i'm like, I'm, I'm really excited for them <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounds it sounds biased but it's it's not it's not biased they really they were a lot of fun um kind of kind of springboarding off what dan was saying like i think what i really appreciated that you and eric had kind of set up early on was like it's our sandbox but like we're inviting you to play in it um so there was but, but then you also kind of kept the the restriction that was nice was if you're going to pitch an idea to us or kind of like go with an idea it wasn't like oh this episode's about like uh, a side scroller this one's about like a, a beat-em-up it's like no we're taking those elements and like kind of compounding those with the main story of the characters per episode um it just so happens that the the game aspect is really pushing that forward it's kind of the catalyst it's kind of like building and building and building there's one that uh, i i don't think is going to be in this this next drop um involving some food stuff mm. Uh, but that one really hit hard because that was like a really that was a solid one. Um, yeah, that was really good, man. That's a, it's one of those that uh, you know. Again, it's it's almost like a it's an awful teaser for everybody listening to this because it's an episode that won't, that that is not part of the next ten. It's part of the uh, ten that are are not uh, being completed just yet. Um, but just just to continue on what Jules is saying there, like it's one of the 
episodes that emotionally it's probably one of the strongest emo emotional like emotional like episodes that we had and it's such a fun one at the same time but man there's just some heaviness to it but that kind of stuff uh just shows that we were able to, or, or you know we could go down that route if we wanted to um but it, it's such a fun balance to be able to do that and then come back to our world it's directed by Hyunju song and it was a, <clears throat> a huge ensemble that included um, all the um, the families of Miko and five and um, I, I've, I've said this online you know the reason you're not seeing it is that we had a batch of unproduced episodes from season two um, we got permission to bring a couple of those up to season one to still be produced and we had to trade out some of the season one episodes to make that happen and it was really like a choice that I can't even say was right or wrong. Cause when, whenever we talk about it, I actually full on regret it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, and I can still remember why we did it. We felt it's right because there are other things we wanted to showcase and we wanted people to be able to see. Um, so, you know, it's the call we made and the hope for all this is that no matter what happens, you know, whether it's quickly, which is our hope, or if it takes some time, eventually those episodes can go straight to animation and be seen by people. Um, I was even trying to uh, set up uh, us doing a table read of that episode mm -hmm. online as, you know, and we were so. working on getting permission from Nick to do that so at least people could hear it, you know. Right. And then fans so. can animate their own version from that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That'd probably be really cool to see. So they're like, uh, I mean, feel free to say like, this is too, stepping over boundaries or anything, but is, I love it, it how, <laughs> like, is there like, how many exact episodes are just in, just in the waiting period of just needing to be animated and such? Uh, 10, ten, right? 10 episodes, yeah. 10 full scripts ten were, full. were written and locked and recorded of those 10 I would say, I think seven of the animatics were also locked and ready to ship for animation. Mm. So if we do get a green light to do more, we could probably put six or seven immediately to toward animation. And then while that's happening, we could continue working on, you know, some and, and even those last few, even though they weren't done uh, completely finished in animatics, they were already thumbnailed, uh, mm. you know, up to the 10. So it's, I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> And, and they're all good. That's the <laughs> two two oh eight. Two oh eight is uh yeah, see I mean it hurts us so much because we know how good again Oh yeah, okay. No, I took we, a second. We should concentrate on talking about the next batch. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Before we all just get like heartbroken, like no. If he, if a lot see, of the things he are asking for is in those episodes, which is yeah. You know, again, it's I, I think the best way to put it is that um, you know we, you know the the thing that the audience I think is asking for now is more of the general story on where we're gonna go, and um, we desperately wanted to do a series that had that. Uh, at the time, the network asked us not to really do that, so what we did, uh, you know, they wanted more monster of the week kind of things for us. But what we did is we built, you know, these tentpole episodes that, you know, have the storyline, you know, even though you have those mixed episodes in there that are the monster that we kind of feel, but we did have those tentpole episodes. But, you know, as we got further along in the series, 
then we got the trust from the network. We, we figured out who we were as a show and it allowed us to really kind of get into more of the lore of where we wanted to go with the series. And unfortunately, the, you know, even though we do have uh, bits and pieces of that in that next batch, you know, the, the lore did continue of what the series is and where the story was in even the, the, the following 10 after yeah. this next batch. It is a on. series interrupted no matter how much you slice it. There's a lot mm -hmm. of satisfying stuff coming up, but it's not, a, we don't have a, you know, it's not fully resolved. Right. And, so it, it, and we weren't planning to fully resolve. Just yet. So the biggest thing is just we're just it's just a matter of it gets out there the people watch it the people enjoy it as they have been so far and that's when it's you know your you'll know what your futures are got a lot of good stuff coming man yeah. you know we got a lot of good stuff coming this next 10 are again i think we're all super proud of them uh you know, uh, these guys, our entire board team, I, like everybody in our staff just put their heart and soul because we really kind of found our footing uh, with these next 10. And so we really hope that, you know, the, the, the audience enjoys the energy that we're bringing to these next 10 with the story, with the boarding, with everything that's done. I mean, you know, uh, Jules, Phil, you guys can talk about like some of your favorite like episodes you know that are coming up <laughs> yeah I, I definitely want to know not too much detail but you know. yeah we're gonna have to be we're gonna have to be super vague i mean i i think ridley is definitely already appeared online yeah it's um, in the trailers so we can we can we can safely to a degree i think talk about ridley but uh our team uh me and sarah and sung who i definitely want to give a shout out to the two of them and then chris graham our director um like we, we did a lot of the Ridley episodes and uh, Melissa, who was our animatic editor, like she put a lot of love into those animatics too. Like it was just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm super excited about those. Like there are definitely um, some really big, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it. The world opens up a lot. I, yeah. I think, I think I can say that and, and keep it kind of, kind of vague and spoiler free. The world opens up a lot. Like, Dan and Eric both kind of touched on the fact that there is so much that's been unexplored in the Glitch Text universe. And, you know, Jules can vouch. We'd sit there at lunch every day and just come up with, like, what ifs. Like, the entire board crew, we were so into, like, the lore of everything. Like, well, what if this happened? Like, maybe this works this way. Like, what if, you know this character is able to do X, Y, Z or whatever with their, oh, you know. Just making up the stuff about like your, your specs and stuff. Like the fact you can kind of respect, like, you know, cause it's funny. Cause I think that uh, we, we laughed about, um, there's a line that Zara, that Zara said where she's like, she's like, I can't lead. I'm spec and support. Oh yeah, we're just, we, we, we laughed like we're like yeah, mm, if you I, liar. If I support you in big weapons, then then that's a really funny way of saying that. But then Dan's like, oh, you can respect. Who cares? Like you can just like yeah, the characters can respect. And fans picked up on that. They were like, how come she says she's support? And it's like, oh, she didn't want to be leader. She was just like, play, you know, she's looking at her phone and playing it down. And you can respect, you know, depending on the mission. Um, and stuff like that is great to reveal. And some of those things we kind of knew ahead of time and others we don't. It's not until we have the conversation that we say, oh, let's, you know, let's figure this out, what it all means. I still, I still hold that Zara, yeah, that she lied, that she was like, I don't want to be the boss. Like, oh yeah, I'm spec for support. I don't want to do this. I, yeah, she's um, shrugging it off. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm good. Like, I still pray for the, the, the blue mage idea. That was, that was one that's like, 
I will, I will fight. If I can have one thing to fight for, I'm like, mm, I'm going to fight for that. If it somehow work it in. And that was, That's all I need to hear to, to want to work it in, too, you know? Yeah. Um, I think of all the episodes coming out, though, the two that pop up in my head, um, one Phil's definitely tied to a lot, um, involving involving some 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 good uh, monster fights, mm. um, and other other kind of fights. Uh, yeah, we're we're trying to find the ways to keep it vague, huh? It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but also, I, there's one that's a very horror-esque theme that's right up my alley. Yeah. That was a really that was one that I was glad to get to touch on. Uh, it was the other team. It was um, it was Ben and Alex. Alex, yeah. true. Yeah. Was, was Alex on that one or yet? Oh uh, wait, Which, uh, probably not. I, it, was, it was Ben. It was Ben, Mike, and uh, right. right. Sheldon. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. Then, Sheldon, uh, Sheldon fellow. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Phil, Phil, Laura joined that one, um, but that one was definitely fun to kind of get to touch and, and kind of hand on to. That, that was fun. That was Adam Rickovis on the animatic, right? Yep. Yeah, just to, just to give the yeah. shout out to him too, because I mean, when you Adam's Melissa, that's Melissa oh. Lugo and Sarah and Sung are Sarah Partington and Sung Kim. Yeah, that, that, we we just had such a great crew. Like I. And I know, like, so many, everybody's going to say that on every show that they work on, but I mean, like, honestly, like, I can't, I can't understate, like, how close this crew was as we were working on this. Like, our, our board team, I, we would just go eat lunch together, like, every single day, and, and we were excited genuinely to, like, talk about the show and just, like, pitch out the weirdest, like, wildest ideas. We'd bust down Dan and Eric's door, like, every other day, being like, hey, can we, can we, like, do an episode about this and this and that? And Dan would be like, okay, yeah, yeah, hold on, calm down, let's write it all down, let's put it up on the wall, and, like, you know, we had this idea board, and um, I'm sure there's pictures of it floating around somewhere, Dan, you, you cataloged everything, one day you'll have to, yeah, yeah, we we'll to get in the archives and show all that stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, which, may, we should ask, though, I mean, as the, as the series creators, which episodes are you guys, like, super jazzed about, like, coming up? In the first, I, I don't say it without saying it, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Like we're 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 tiptoeing around it. Yeah, I mean, look, we we just have such a. Again, I, I think that the show itself allows itself to uh, be very different with each episode that we did. Um, and and there's definitely like ones that you just love these sections that are coming up, and you love other sections that are coming up, and as a whole, <laughs> you just love the whole thing. Um, so it's hard. It's hard to pick your baby. Right? Yeah, I've asked you an impossible question. I realize it, it really is. Because there's just you know, as a whole, we we just uh, you know, I think the best way to put this in perspective is uh, the show doesn't belong to Dan or I. The, the the show belongs to the crew. Like you know, we our, our names come up as credits and you know as created by and all that stuff, but. It really wasn't, and nor do I, I personally care, and I don't. I think Dan feels the same way. Like there's just kind of like this thing that we we all decided to go to the park and play, <laughs> and we all became best friends while we played. You know, uh, I, I, I tried to, you know, um, and 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 Dan has the same mentality. I think that's why we work so well as partners. Is you know we really wanted to build uh, a, a team of people who just wanted to play with us. And uh, we respect our crew. We respect our talent um, our, from art direction, you know, from Scott Kakuda to his team of bringing, you know, 
uh, Eric Pay, you know, uh, Cesar Martinez. We had Arrhenio. Uh, I mean, just everybody who was a part of that. Mayumi, um, uh, Evan, like uh, the designers to board artists. So everybody who was a part of this just really kind of came in with that play attitude. And it was something that I, I definitely wanted to set the tone for early because I had worked on so many different productions throughout the years where ju you just felt like you were part of a job, not a part of the team. And yeah. we really wanted to create an environment where we were all just kind of like doing our mini you know, early Pixar days of creating something with nobody looking over our shoulders and we were just doing our own thing at Nickelodeon in the corner and nobody was paying attention to us. You know, they, Nickelodeon was doing its big properties. It has its SpongeBob's and Turtles and everything else. So we were just kind of like, you know, this team that was put in a corner to do our thing and we'll see what they do later. And we were, in the meantime, we were creating something really special uh, and, and doing our thing. Yeah, very early in development, Eric came in my office and shut the door and, and he was like, I feel like we're crew <laughs> in the best way. He's like, we're crew on this thing. Like, I, I just want to, I just want to see this show. Like, I, I'm happy to be working on this show. You know what I mean? He's like, uh, that's a great feeling. It's a great feeling because it means that you just, you're enthused and connected to everybody as opposed to, um, the loneliness of some, uh, person steering a ship, you know, um, and everyone else just like also feeling like, well, just tell us where you want to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, it feels like you, it, like, instead of it just one captain steering the ship and everyone just follow the orders, it's everyone's contributing together yep. and just yeah. putting their flavor of love into it. That's right. I gotta say that's, a, that's pretty amazing for real. Uh, we all, it was unique for all of us, and that's why it's very special to us. We certainly haven't had it before, um, you, you know, like this. I, I've never been on a show where I. Oh, sorry, Dan. Mm. I just I was gonna say, like I've never been on a show where I really actively looked forward to to pitch meetings because it really did. But you know, we we throw our episode up on the up on the screen and walk through it together, and it was really just an open forum. Like whoever had an idea, anybody was free to talk and contribute. Like. We've had we've had amazing ideas for every single episode come from everybody that works on the crew. Like it was it was such a cool experience to be a part of, and it's something that I want to like you know take with me moving forward. Uh, just getting to walk through every episode together, and I mean those meetings would run like three or four hours as we just broke it down and and talked about what worked and what didn't work, and we you know work and we were like we were really honest about it. Like there was no. Uh, there was no tension. It just, I mean, it felt like a really tight crew. We were, we were able to talk about everything. It was awesome. I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect too. Um, specifically like when, when, when it's anyone can help or anyone can throw an idea and that was basically true. Like anybody, like uh, Katie Shaughnessy on the on production uh, had like, did she, she got the right script, didn't she? She, she wrote up, uh, she was commissioned for a premise and yeah. credited for the input she did. Yep, absolutely. And that, um, I remember... She was amazing. Yeah, you guys threw me some, some, some pages, um, like a, 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 a you know, section here or there to board. And I still remember like being at the end of, I got to do the end of one of them uh, and being there kind of late working after the day job. 
and you were there late. And I was like, hey, so here's the ending of the script. Can I tweak it this way? And you're like, sure, okay. Because I because you said like uh, you said uh, spit me what you're what you're thinking. And I told you, and you're like, do it and see if it works. And we took it. I took it that direction. And I remember like uh, uh, at the screening, I was like super nervous with it. I remember Ian turning. He's like, hey, who added that, who added that little last part? I'm like, oh, that was me. He's like, ah, that was good. That's funny. I'm like, oh. Oh God, because he's such a he's so he's so dry. So when you when he already's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, really that's, a, that's a that's that's a high compliment for Ian. So it's like, yep. oh oh no, that's oh good. good. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. He definitely doesn't give it out without a major reason to to, yeah. to say anything positive. Uh, and people should know, like, so the the board in my mind uh, and being new to animation with Eric really introducing me to the world and I'd had a little experience writing for animation and but all I knew about the process was when I would wander around and talk to crew members and ask questions but I see our our board artists uh, along with our actors they're they're sort of like they create one big um improv actor so they're given the parameters of the scene you can even be given a script with very detailed requests for how the scene should go but as an actor they then take on the the physicality of the role and they're also their own directors and cinematographers to an, an extent because they have control of their frames they're just working with their episode directors on on that but they have license to do whatever they feel needs to be done and sometimes they're they want to try something um they should be able to have that improv and, and they know where the scene is going or should be going. If they have a problem with it, they could mention it to us and explain why it feels limiting or frustrating and we can talk it out. A lot of times they just want to try putting things in and we wanted to encourage that because um, it's acting and the process is such that if for some reason aspects of it weren't working, we were always able to tweak, adjust, remove. So. I think we we really rarely ever felt a reason to say no unless the episode was in very late stages and getting ready to lock and we just didn't have time to be exploratory. But for, from somebody from live action, to me, that was just like an actor asking for a take. You know, mm -hmm. can I do one like this? So mm -hmm. yeah, yes, so you surprise me. <laughs> you just allow that type of freedom for your actors and such, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know any director that shouldn't allow for you know, takes like that or a producer or whatever. And mm. Eric was so generous from the moment I met him, generous to me, generous in spirit, to Ian, who was a generous soul. And so I felt, well, if Eric doesn't feel the need to lock things down so tight, then I certainly don't. Like I, you know, we all take our signals from the head, you know, if it stinks, it stinks from the head and Robles smelled good. <laughs> <laughs> he let everybody know like hey man we're gonna go for it and we're gonna try and we're gonna shoot for the moon and if it's a problem we'll fix it yep yep you, you know and, and again that's where ian really was was awesome uh in setting up our pipeline because uh it allowed us to make our mistakes early um and experiment early as opposed to trying to rush everything towards the end of the production and you know, being open-minded to experiment and what have you, um, you know, we were all able to collaborate and mix it up up front. 
and then very minimal tweaks towards the end of animatics uh, and, and getting ready for shipping. So, you know, just having that attitude of, you know, can we do this? Can we explore last minute discussions, you know, like uh, Jules was saying, and all of us just kind of like being open to looking at the, the you know, that episode and looking at it, you know, big picture and saying, you know, is this limiting? Is it not limiting? Like, like what else can we do to make it better? We were always just open to that upfront. Um, but again, it just, you, you can't just do that in productions. You have to have the right people involved. And, and I say this only because I'm, I'm a big conceptual guy. Like I think big, you know, I want to go out with a big boom. I want big this, big that, all kinds of cool stuff happening, right? And, you know, I learned a lot from Dan because Dan really comes from the structure side of things. And then he says, underneath all that big bang boom and all that stuff, like, what are we trying to say? And then that's where, you know, his magic would come in and that's the layer. And then Ian would gut check both of us and make yeah. sure that, you know, we're balancing each other out. So it really kind of just took this team of, you know, of all of us just kind of gut checking each other. So that way, um, if, if Ian... Uh, Dan and myself were in agreement, then it will allow um, the rest of the creativity from the crew to explore because then we can balance out what's working and what's not working um, when those ideas would come. Right. And pipeline was a huge part of that process, <clears throat> being able to have the time to make those explorations. Ian is very proud to say that because we put more time up front than in the back, we actually... Um, we never really rebroke re a story past our thumbnail stage, mm -hmm. which is a big deal. As much work as we did and as hard as it was from the first animatic on, it was almost always a process more of refinement than start over. Like yeah. we rarely threw something out and started all over again. And some of that frankly is also, we did that out of respect for the fact that anything we did write or come up with needed to be boarded and that meant wrist time and brain time and energy for our team and we didn't want them to use their energy to like reboard unnecessarily we wanted them to use that energy to like to refine and to perfect um so that hopefully even though it was killer on them it they well and you guys can speak for yourselves but the intent was that for the most part you should be revising things that you were happy to do because you saw it improving and you understood why as opposed to like they're making me do this for the third time and i don't even know why <laughs> you know i feel like it's always the uh, the go-to i feel like when people see animatics from like more recently at least like uh some action shows people always had the it's genuine concern and it's very appreciated concern about like people overworking themselves, but like, I can probably, val I, I, I'm not going to speak for you, Phil, you can, you can talk for yourself, but like, I think all of us worked that late or that hard because we wanted to, it was kind of more of like, oh, what time is it? Oh, okay. We didn't know we we're working on this for this long, but like, you know, it was that a, is that a love? We didn't do it because we we're like, you guys had like a, 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 a gun to our head or anything. I think else. that's the blessing and the curse of an artist. Like, you know, you fall in love with your <laughs> art and, and it doesn't, you know, there's, you know, it's hard to, you know, there, there is like this blurred line there of like, oh, it's work, so I should stop. But then again, it's still your art and you, you, you love it. Whether you are getting paid or not, you want to contribute to your art yourself. And it's something that's self-fulfilling at the same time. 
that is when you're working on something you love. Um, hey, uh, you know, before we continue and we get, <laughs> get back on topic with season two, why don't we tease uh, just something from an episode that's coming that we, we love, man, just to get this guy a, a little something here. Oh, <laughs> all right, then. Like, like we, uh, we, we, can, we can, like, pitch something out there? I, let's just say uh, I'm looking forward. How's this? I'm looking forward to a new team that we're going to be meeting mm. from another brand. Okay, okay. Ooh. Yes. Glitch Techs. Another branch of glitch text. The the um, real it's the real the real the, the it's the real ones the real glitch text. Oh, the uh, real cool. glitch text you say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about meeting a new team uh, that will appear in these next ten uh, batch of episodes. So how about uh, who's next? Dan, what about you? Uh, I'm very excited to meet uh, other other people like new uh customers um and learn more about um mitch williams and like the kind of missions like he goes on that other people don't quite know about um and you know just really developing him more as as a character and getting to know him because he's one of our most enigmatic characters and he's really polarized the fans with his behavior <laughs> yeah. Yeah. based on real personalities and we see him as a real person and we love him for the snowflake he is the fragile little you know i mean he's that gamer who identifies only as a gamer not much else he doesn't have room for much else so he's just got a lot to protect but he has he has honor and he has, and he's good at what he does. And that's something we always wanted to show. He's not one of these characters who's like, you're all terrible, but really then he falls down, you know, like he's not all that. Mitch is amazing. He's arguably the best. Um, it's just it's, how do you define It's not him? arguably, Mitch is, Mitch is the best character. He's, the he's, they cannot insult him for being bad at his job. I, <laughs> no, they yeah. can't, and they don't. They know he's amazing and he is. But I, I love the price so of amazing. It kind of also asks the question, like, can you be amazing and not also be toxic? And, you know, it's a scale. You, you, you know, we can all, with just little adjustments, we can, um, and by identifying ourselves by more than just one thing, you know, we can be a little more well-rounded. Right. So, so I'm interested in seeing more about Mitch and proud okay. that we play with him. The ones that I mentioned that I'm excited for, but there's also one that, you know, I, I sometimes you gotta take it back to the classics. Um, so there's one that's specifically pretty heartfelt and uh, opens up more like internal character mm. kind of drama. That's yeah, I think was a standout because when we saw that, I, I know at least when I, when I saw the animatic, I'm like, man, Team B gets all these like really like it, it somehow happened. That crazy cool. It got staggered where we got a bunch of like really high action, like super like like popcorn muncher episodes. Sometimes we're like, man, that was really fun and really cool. But then Team B would somehow get the ones where it's like, hey, this is gonna make your heart hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. some heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, that your your storyboard team was like, we want one of those. We want a bite of that cookie. All right, I'm, I'm down with it. Yeah, I, I, 
I realized which episode Jules is talking about, and I'm like, yeah, that one that one messes me up in a good way. Um, I think I think the one that I'm probably the most excited for, um, not not to be confused with uh, something we mentioned earlier, but I, I think I think new rivals uh, this season, yeah. specifically maybe uh, for Miko. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's I, I kind of want to leave it vague. I kind of want to leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, You'll, you'll watch it. You'll know when you watch it. Okay. I think something we're really proud of is that, um, and this started around the episode Collection Quest, which is in our first batch. Um, it was really important to us that we just, even though you people can say there's a Monster of the Week format, I, I like to think of it more as a case file format because the show would be very boring if we just had another big boss to fight every week. And mm. it's boring to just have monsters and creatures you know so we really tried to think of other ways glitches might manifest you know and other forms of glitches and you know some with personality some with none and um in, i mentioned collection quests because there really is no antagonist in that episode just these elements appear that that ultimately form like a um a gravity puzzler challenge at the end um but there's no we gave it a face but there's no personality to it so we're really proud that in the next batch you're going to see all kinds of glitch challenges and manifestations and some of them that seem innocent end up actually being you know more challenging because that's true of games it's part of the video game theme like oh this looks simple this like 1970s thing that has like so little to it and then cut to you like completely in a pitted t-shirt sweating because you can't keep up with it you know i mean that's the amazing thing about the range of game design and the range of code and um and the algorithms created by designers so when it's a love letter to video games it's not just like the stuff of video games like the the visuals it's also about the elements of what make games great uh, so we're happy that we explore that more too all right. Okay. I got it. My friend, uh, D'Angelo Edwards, he, he runs a hats off media on YouTube. He's a popsicle stick. He, uh, has a, if, if that gives you some ideas for future characters, <laughs> but I digress. He mainly wanted me to ask, um, he, he just wants to know, the secret of are the glitch techs real and how to join <laughs> wow that's question honors us that was literally the goal yeah. when we sat down and said what kind of show we want to make and we were like we want it to feel real like yeah. kids should see a you know best buy geek squad car drive by and think like oh, you know i, that I could, yeah you know, um, it could be because yeah. the, the shows we loved felt real to us. Like, I feel like Doc Brown really built a DeLorean. I feel like the Enterprise could really be in the sky. I feel like the Ghostbusters could be in a firehouse. Um, so that's a really sweet question. Uh, but, you know, Hanobi, Hanobi brand products, thank you for your, your interest. But, you know, <laughs> you, can start, you can start a career there, but there's nothing else beyond yeah. brilliant tech and... No. Wow. Because, you know, we all love Star Wars, but we kind of know that, like, we, you know, we can't really become Jedi, but I do feel like I could 
build a time machine or become a Ghostbuster or right. you know, become a glitch tech. So I hope they're real. I believe in them. <laughs> I, I think you have to win a Smash Jam tournament. Yeah, <laughs> is, is the lore we set up. <laughs> um, so if you hear yeah. any of those coming to town, let me know because I want to get my gauntlet. Yeah, there there's right. a couple ways. <laughs> Just got to unlock the right achievements in life and video games, and you'll know when they come for you. And they may have already have, and you've forgotten. <laughs> you, did That's the other thing. you did something wrong, and they wiped you. So. Yeah. Right. Well, we would say they, there are a lot of recruits that probably get so far in the program, and then if they don't work out, they're just sort of, like, put back. Right. <laughs> they don't know. Oh, no. That's so sad. You know, I have to do an episode about that. We talked about that kind of idea. We just never really got to it yet. Right. So... So early on, like the concepts, like we got to see early concepts for like character designs and such for glitch techs and Miko and five definitely looked a lot, di lot more different than they d do now in the final yeah. product. What, um, where was I? What were the biggest changes going from the pitch to the screen for glitch techs exactly? Uh, well, I mean, uh, there, there was a lot, you know, there's a huge evolution. There's at least two and a half years of development on the project. So, you know, in that time, a lot of things changed for us. You know, you talk about design. Design was something that, um, you know, it, it was it was on purpose, you know, to start more on the cartoonier side um, than what it ended up being, only because uh, the studio didn't want another action show at that time. They, they had done Korra and they felt that, you know, it didn't do as well as they wanted it to, which is crazy. Uh, but, you know, for the audience that they were looking for. And I definitely was in the mindset that, you know, I had done comedy, I had done fanboy and chum chum and was really happy with what I accomplished with the comedy side of that, you know. But creatively, you know, I, I had worked on shows going back to the original X-Men and The Tick and Street Fighter and a lot of these old Capcom kind of games. So uh, my early career was more action and I wanted to tap back into action, but I knew what the network was asking for wasn't what I wanted to do. So I kind of just try to find a way to do it visually in a cartoony style hmm. and have that action within that cartoony style. So a lot of the early animatics that we had done um, had more of that kind of comedic tone, but also had the action in it as well. And as, the, as time went on, just different executives started kind of coming in and out and in and out. So some executives just want to know the difference of what we had done before and what we were doing now. And it allowed us to evolve the style of the show, but also creatively, you know, Dan and I found, you know, things that worked and things that didn't work for us because even the initial pilot that got greenlit for us, well, it got tested with kids. It, it, it changed to what the actual show was as well. Even yeah, yeah. The, the, the heart and the energy was there. Uh, we weren't happy with the way Five uh, was as a character. We, we love the energy Miko uh, always brought, but you know there definitely was a disconnect between those two characters. So it allowed us to explore, almost reset kind of uh, the characters in the world for us, even though there was always a foundation underneath it all. Of a, uh, I don't know if a foundation is the right word, but more of an energy, you know, a feeling, an energy that we kept consistent. But um, it, it definitely evolved through through time, and we're very grateful for that because if not, the show would have been completely different. I think it matured and got a little more grounded. I would say, um, 
yeah, and it was just the benefit of the process of collaborating and the more time you spend with something, the more it develops and, you know, for good or ill, we had a lot of development time, but we used it. It was never like, the show was never ever sitting on a shelf. Even, even when the show faced its challenges um, toward the end, we never sat on a shelf. We were always working on it from, from development to release. Mm. All right, so you guys making sure it's like getting this proper, not just letting it sit around, just get it, yeah. get it done, get it all Even out. when it was released, we were still working on it because it was released. <laughs> right. The color uh, was off and we had this like dimming effect. And yeah. We had to go in and like let everybody know and get it fixed. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, I did note that in my uh, review, I was like, yeah, because I figured that wasn't you guys. I figured oh, I felt like that God. was like some type of weird. You don't understand how much that literally hurt. a glitch. It really <laughs> hurt us. Yeah, that it hurt was. Us seeing all those because we spent so much time with Scott Kakuda and and the team, like oh, making sure that the color correct was right. And then because of you know some algorithm that was done during uh, one of the process, you know, and it delivered. It, that that happened to us but luckily we got that fixed so yes. if you still haven't you know if the last time you saw the show there was dimming and you didn't understand it you can rewatch it now and it's pure technicolor form <laughs> rewatch it a few times and then invite your friends over and get them to rewatch well don't do that right watch now but like right. <laughs> yeah then watch it like five or six more times after that just <laughs> it's like again, sync again, it up google again. hangout sync ups do that yeah <laughs> there you go um so for our borders, Glitch Tags has a lot, tends to have a lot going on with its animation and background work and all that. Is that ever like difficult to get all that done? Because I always feel like there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears going into that one. So it's like, are you guys all right? Because it feels like you're insane to be doing all these crazy things. You know, it, it, honestly, like it never... In it never felt like it was difficult. Like, obviously there were episodes where like, yeah, there's a lot to take in. We have a lot that we need to like plan our way through. And I, I feel like our board team always did a really good job of kind of like syncing up. Like we draw maps and I mean, like literally we'd have battle maps where I would, you know, plan where, you know, the characters were going to be and where the cameras were to help sync up with Sarah and Sung as they do stuff. And, I mean, the number of times, too, that, that Jules would come in, there's a specific sequence coming up that I'm thinking of where, like, you know, I did some, like, rough sketches and kind of thumbed things out, and then Jules really kind of saved my butt and came in behind me and, like, cleaned up a bunch of them and uh, really figured out the flow of some of the motion and everything. Like, it's it's such a team effort. I don't think I ever felt overwhelmed, you know, because we were really getting to play and, and do, like, just the weirdest, like, fun stuff uh but managing it was you know it never felt it never felt difficult like we we had each other's backs a lot hmm. it, uh from <clears throat> being being in a revision position um is definitely a, a it's a great starting point at least um for a lot of people and it typically is the starting point but uh you get to kind of see the whole kind of like production of it from the board side and the director side, because you're working so close with the director. Um, you learn a lot from them. You learn a lot from looking at all the boards and like seeing everyone working. Like there were definitely days where like, like Phil was saying where people were very much, you know, tired. Like we get, you know, if you're banging your head into a wall, 
and trying to figure out a problem and you, you finally get it, you're, you're exhausted. But like the great thing about our crew and like it definitely spoiled me uh, going, going through and thankfully my crews have been phenomenal for, for Loud House and for, for Moon Girl right now um, was that we really clicked as a board team. Um, even if you're really tired, like we would have a really good support group. Um, it's, that was very refreshing. It was never a thing where it's like, okay, you're tired and you're, and you're going through this one sequence, like you're on your own, like that's your sequence. It was always like a thing where someone would go, ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm racking my brain for this one, like hookup or this one thing happening here. And we would all kind of like spitball ideas to kind of help each other out, or like, you know, watch over their shoulder and be like, Oh, that's really cool. Like, da, 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 da. And it's like, Oh, I need to fix this part. And it's like, Oh, have you tried this instead? And they're like, Oh, cool. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was across teams too. Like even when yeah, we had, for sure. When we had like a two, I, I'll say two and a half. Cause like team three kind of like kept training people out occasionally. Um, yeah. uh, when we had that, like everyone really worked across teams. Like it was never like you had your, your, your teams quote quote but everyone was on the same team so it was really nice seeing the cooperation between everybody and like you know mm. I think- <laughs> the number of times i i'd like kind of poke my head over your your desk while and be like hey can you come check something out real quick and then just kind of like disappear again yeah you follow me back over like it was it was like hyper collaborative we could go knock on dan and eric's doors and get them to come look at a segment and get their take on it and then finesse it a little bit more and make sure things were headed in the right direction and i i think to to jules's point like you were you were never alone in the best possible way yeah i think also the uh it not, not i'm not going too far out of your question i, I swear oh <laughs> uh, no, say whatever i, I think uh i think the voice the 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 voice actor is like oh my god the the energy that like monica and ricardo and like like uh that luke zara sandeep like josh all every all of them who were involved got brought to it really helped the boarding sections because like we would have some of the audio yeah we have some scratch sometimes and then we'd be like cool this is a good then the audio would come in and you go oh no i i know exactly what they were thinking here um and it just got better and better because, like, as they grew uh, with the characters that they were kind of forming, we also understood what they were going for. And then they kind of saw what we were going for because they'd watched the stuff, and it kind of just kept piling on. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's really it, it's really interesting seeing that. Um, Although, I, I got to say, the, this is going to sound so tangential, I'm sorry, but, like, the the degree to which, like, Luke as a voice actor for Mitch differentiates from Mitch as a character. Like Mitch is, you know, Mitch and Luke, when you meet him in real life, is just the nicest person ever. And I think the first time I met him, it like, it threw me for such a curve. Not that I expected him to be a jerk, but I was just like, he wanted to like hang out with us and talk to us and come look at the boards and stuff. I don't know. I just, I remember the first we had of 101 and 102 uh, after, you know, it was over. Uh, Luke came up to me and he's like, uh, he's like, Mitch is such a bad guy. (laughs) He was so surprised on how mean he was. He's like, he's such a mean guy or something like that. Mitch is at his meanest in the pilot. 
And the reason is we honestly just needed him to be. We we needed like a foil. And he he steals something very personal from five. And okay. it's very hard to forgive that. Um, right. But he has his reasons. And then I think in episode uh, five, or I think in Netflix, it's episode four, um, it seems that he's willing to basically kill five's friend to defeat this glitch when and that's an implication but we did have a version of that story where you understood um mitch would not actually kill him but it it did put casino at at risk no matter what casino was very much at risk as this thing was nesting in his mind um but i think we actually had dialogue at one point to show that like mitch wanting to take him out and 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 bring him back to HQ immediately was actually the right move. Um, so you can just get him and extract this thing. But of course, like Five doesn't know everything about glitch teching yet. Um, we had also talked about Mitch having had a previous experience with a possessor glitch, which is why he's skewed, you know, and that character development was sadly removed from that episode for wow. time. But we don't really believe in villains and we we believe in people with um, just very divergent outlooks and yeah, different perspectives yeah um, that's what we always tried to work from and luke brought his soul to mitch which i think gives him like people can detect that there's a person in there because you know that's who luke is his um, first foray into voice acting that's a uh, he brought his a game he although he brings his a game yeah. to everything like same with the same with everyone else everyone like i'm shocked that monica can balance directing and then coming in and doing voices like off the cuff and same with like ricardo like such a nice guy yeah it was, was really ricardo's first voice acting gig it was, was that really really yeah monica for her she had done voices uh previously but not in a series so mm. it was her first series and Scott Kramer, who played um, Phil, he had only ever done one other uh, voice, which was on Pinky Malinky as like a, the Nurse Nancy character. Um, we had a lot of first timers. That's Scott. Scott scared me because when I heard him, yeah. <laughs> when I heard him, when I heard him walking uh, through the hallway, because I didn't know he was working there. When I heard him walking and just talking, like, what? Phil? Like, I was like, yeah, he's just in the hallway because he I was, was, I was, Pinky Malinky was on our floor. That was so good. He was the head writer of Pinky Malinky. I was, I was hoping y'all were going to bring that up because I remember Jules walking over me one day and being like, I just heard Phil's voice, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. I might be losing my mind. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's the executive, uh, co-executive producer of Camp Cretaceous at DreamWorks, which is uh, the Jurassic Park uh, series coming to Netflix. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I, I should say, lastly, like there's always energy that actors bring to boards, you know, but what was also unique about our show and that we're really proud of is Eric and I directed the voiceover sessions and we would always make sure that the actors saw the most recent boards so that they were working in tandem off whatever stage boards was at. They were using that to anchor their performance. And then whatever energy they gave back went back to the board team and so forth and so on until we locked. And uh, we also would encourage um, directors and artists to come to booth records when they could and just get to know folks. And also the voice actors would come visit uh, the production 
uh, floor. Uh, and Luke especially would sit in on animatic sessions and things. And that gave everybody like just a, an absolute direct relationship. And they became, you know, tandem uh, puppeteers of the same characters, you know, and it really, really, really helped bring out all this other dimension. And they also just appreciated each other so much. Everyone, you know, like somebody would say to Luke, like, oh, I'm such a fan of what you're doing. He'd be like, I'm a fan of yours. Like, <laughs> everyone was blowing everyone else's minds. The actors would look at the boards and be like, this is amazing. He was so, so he was so genuine about that kind of stuff. He's like, you could you could tell because at first you're like like ah cool they they might be interested like, that's really cool what you're doing but he'd be like no I I really want, how how do you do this is what's the process of how you do this and it's like oh he actually wants to know how he, how you do yeah this. I want to learn oh, you know? oh gosh I mean he he came and like just hung out with us one time like we went and watched a movie at Sung's house and we we hit him up thinking like God it would be so cool if he actually like came over and and said yes and then like. 45 minutes later, we hear a knock on Sung's front door and it's just Luke. They're like, hey, what's up, guys? Y'all want to watch a movie now? Like, it was it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, artists like artists and good people like good people. And so, you know, it's just the whole team, the whole crew, even our animators overseas that we got to know through social media, like everybody's friends. And that was pretty magical. Right. So is there anything uh, you want to wrap this up with? Ooh, <laughs> yeah, because we did, we did go for a while. I guess uh, any major misconceptions of glitch text that you want to like get dispel per se. Uh, trying to think. Exceptions. Uh, like, give us an example, maybe. We're not insanely expensive uh, when it comes to comparing us to other action series. Um, the look and style of glitch text is producible. Yeah, it's, it's, and, it's not um, what everybody's making it out to be. I mean, you know, maybe we kind of misspoke here and there and saying, like, action is a lot more expensive than, you know, uh, comedy shows. But that's any show that's action, you know. And, and in comparison to many shows that are being produced now, even the comedy ones are comparable now. Um, yeah, we went through a very unique development period. But at the end of the day, we're, we're comparable to the other action shows in, in our genre. And, and um, that's, that's a fact. Yeah. Um, I think another misconception is that we were also uh, helped uh, by Maven, which we were not. Uh, it was not animated at Maven. Um, you know, our show yeah, got out there somehow. I don't know why. Yeah, mm. uh, we were uh, animated by uh, Flying Mark, uh, Studio 100 in Paris, and um, also Top Draw in the Philippines. Mm. Yes. So I'm guessing Flying Bark was a lot of the big, big action scenes. Flying or... Bark did two episodes for us. They did. Uh -huh. They went to the Ninja Turtles. Right. Yeah. yeah, they continue with the Ninja Turtles series, but they did two episodes for us, which were, um, I guess, considered on Netflix, 102 and 103. Mm. Uh, correct, guys. Yeah, it was, it was the training day and and going going gauntlet. I yeah, think. So, yes. So, so yes, they, also, they did the intro too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did the intro. And the, and the opening theme. Yeah. And then the rest of the series uh, was either done primarily by Studio 100, assisted by Top Draw, uh, and then many of in the upcoming drop were just entirely by um, Top Draw. Hmm. All right. So biggest thing is like, because that was something I'd look at this and I was thinking it's like, boy, this uh, 
this probably had to have a big budget or something. But it, from what you're saying, it's like it's producible in a pretty decent budget and doesn't like blow over anything. We, well, we, were, we, uh, we were just smart, I think, uh, you know, in the way that we did it, because, uh, you know, if you look at our show, you know, we have, a, you know, our talking head type moments, right? And then we would spend our money on more of those big action kind of moments. And that's where you see a lot of the uh, shots that were done at Studio 100 in Paris with a lot of the, you know, animators who would kind of go over the top and do those sections. So we had a limited amount of time that we would animate um, at one particular studio. And then the rest was done at another studio. So that's how we balanced out um, and we're, we're able to get the quality of animation that we got. Yeah, we also locked it down over time, the methods we would use, the amount of like splash pages or flat but dynamic animation. There's an incredible sequence coming up um, that Phil boarded, which was something we talked about being almost impossible in theory. It was like a very ambitious action scene. And then we talked about flattening it to one plane of animation, which made it much more doable. And not only was it better for production, when you see it, you'll see why it's perfect for the show and totally unique and really entertaining. So it's arguably better than anything we would have spent, you know, an insane amount of resources on. Um, I think the reason the show, you know, has this reputation financially is not just because it, you know, has such high production value, but because it took so abnormally long to develop, which was a factor of a lot of things, including, you know, where Nickelodeon was at the time. But the show itself, our producer, Lisa Lids, can, you know, uh, who was managing us was like, we were on time and budget. And especially when we were um, cranking those episodes out, you know, mm -hmm. in the second half. So yeah, it's doable, you know, it just was a process to, to get started and figure out our pipeline. All right. So, well, well, we reached pretty much the end of everything. This was such a very informative and fun chat with all of you. And I can tell that Glitch Text is a very meaningful project for all of you. I can get the sense of love coming from all of you as you speak about it. I, I got it from just watching it even, but, I, but it solidifies it more with actually talking with all of you. Thank you so much for joining me to, today. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us and, and for reaching out and for doing this. I think it's our official first kind of like uh, interview that we've done. And uh, uh, and now I think we're going to be doing a few of these. Now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, Yeah, thank you so much. I yeah. we can't say enough how much we appreciate it. All right. And everyone else could check out Glitch Tech Season 2, August 17th on Netflix when it drops. Woo! Be, sure, be yeah. sure to give that a watch. And just remember, it's just a thought.